Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Tigress, where we're going to get spicy. I'm sitting here. <laughs> sound effects. Um, I am sitting here with one of my best, best, best friends, Darius Baxter. And, you know, today we're actually going to dive in and get a little bit uncomfortable, but like, a, yeah, a little uncomfortable and uh, a little fun on the podcast, too. And we're just going to rip the Band-Aid off. Um, I would my, like... My, my, my mom's going to love this, I'm sure. I think your mom will. Okay, cool. She'll be proud of your growth, personal growth. Okay, let's go with that. Okay. So, um, <laughs> as y'all know, I'm currently in a monogamous relationship with a boy named Henry. Congratulations. Thank you. The I met Henry at, uh, at an event at Summit, the conference Darius and I met, yeah. on November 9th, I think. November 9th. That's when you met Henry? Yeah. Okay. And 2019. Yeah. Okay. And then less than 24 hours before that, that morning, I woke up in bed with Darius Baxter. Oh my gosh. My mom's going to love this. I didn't know that's where you were going with that. <laughs> it was... What an opening. Welcome to Tiger's Podcast. <laughs> so oh my God. So I really cool. had to pull Darius onto this podcast, but you know, on this podcast, we've been so open. Okay. I'm we've ready. been so open about all things exploring monogamy and polyamory and desire yeah. and sexuality. Like, this podcast, I really have gotten super real with it. I bet. And I've talked a little bit about hooking up and whatever. Darius and I were friends for a very long time. There were moments in time where we had crushes on each other. Yeah. And then we hooked up. You had a crush on me? I think at some point. I don't think it aligned, though. Oh, okay. Timeline we, we missed each other. Time yeah. is everything. And then we basically had a drunken hookup um, in November of 2019. Wow. And then that evening I met Henry. <laughs> I, I want to know where you're going with this. Okay. And um, well, and I think it was super interesting because I remember when there were a lot of conversations because obviously yeah. I, given that you were one of my best friends, it was like, okay, you know, this is, let's talk about what happened. Woke up the next morning, like, okay, we're going to get breakfast. Yeah. We're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about 
And there were all there's all this drama also like with your friends too. Like there was there was so much there. Everybody wanted Nadia at this event. Can I say? It was Everybody. I think it was not everyone. It was you and your friend. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and, all the people that mattered. But I ended up going home with Darius. And um mm-hmm. and yeah, it, I was also the first girl that you hooked up with in a couple months. Months, yeah. Because yeah. you had what you were before that you were hooking up with too many girls. Then you decided you didn't want to. Then you were celibate for. Yeah. Celibate for about two and a half months. Yeah. And then you were right back at it. Well, <laughs> special moment with a special person. I don't knock myself for that. Yeah. OK. What? I'm, I'm curious what inspired your celibacy. I go through periods where I'm celibate. Like I'm just recently coming out of a period now where I was celibate for like three months. Like I just, it's ebbs and Weren't you just too. in an open relationship? Yeah, but even towards the tail end of our mm. like relationship, we weren't we weren't being intimate with each other. Like, no, it's. Uh, I think it's necessary. We live in this like really fast paced world. It's like tries to sexualize everything. So for me, it's like especially when I start to feel sexualized by the people in my life, like my intimate partners, like it just kind of makes me want to be a little bit more secluded in that way. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I remember. I I think that honestly. You and I hooking up, I feel like brought us to a new level of our friendship because we had to talk about a lot of, or we didn't have to. We chose to talk about it. I chose. Me, you made me talk about it. I chose to talk about a lot of these things. <laughs> hey, yeah. um, like you're doing on this podcast yes, right now? right on this podcast. <laughs> and right. I'm going to bring up the fact that one of the things we talked about was since we hooked up, we talked about like what we liked and we didn't like yeah. in reflection. Yeah. And you had playfully slapped me mm-hmm. on the face when we had hooked up. Yeah. And I didn't say anything in the moment. And then we talked about it. We did. Yeah. And I remember talking to you about like why, what happened and was like, Darius, don't do that to other girls without asking. Yeah. And then it led into this whole conversation where you also opened up to me about what you were just saying around this like sexualization of young men. And when you first learned, or I guess when you first felt sexualized or when you first felt pressured to sexualize women, and to be honest, it was something I'd never thought of before. It was something where I was like, it was, you know, I, I feel like I, I've always been in this Me Too bubble of like always talking about it from the, not always, but like very focused on the, the gender disparity here. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we hooked up, it kind of opened this. I, okay, I will say I forced you to come with me down this rabbit hole of talking as friends. Oh my gosh. About... <laughs> About all of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 No. Well, it was useful. This is wow. <laughs> We're getting real with it. We're getting real with this. But no, I think uh, I'm glad that you bring this up. And Quiet is Kept, I've actually been working on a book where we really explore like male sexuality more and then more so like at less at a surface level and more so like how do young men particularly young men of color, get to points in their life where they are having a conversation with a young woman after a sexual experience and they're going through different things that happen. Like we as human beings, like we're not just like, it's not this zero sum game where like I show up today as Darius Baxter at this podcast studio. Uh, no, there's a series of things that happened over the course of my life that make me who I am. Uh, is the reason why I show up in the world. And we don't think about that in the context of our sexuality so often. It's like the conversation you and I were having that day about like, like we're having sex and like uh, I playfully slap you. And then we're talking about it the next day and you're like, oh, I don't like that. 
draws back to times in like my early coming up where like I was sexually abused and I was being told as a young kid, like choke me harder and slap me and do all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is how you're supposed to be able to say I'm fucking freaked the fuck out. But I'm like, yeah. fuck it, let's go. And I start to develop like learning sex in that way, you know? And it takes people like having people, like you talk about friends hooking up, like having a friend to be like, yo, like let's talk through this. Like maybe we do this differently next time. And I think that was probably one of the more defining moments in my life, you know? <laughs> hooking up with me? Yeah, no, definitely. I think it was a very defining moment in our friendship for sure. Well, so when I hear the word like exploring sexuality, I think of am I bi, straight, gay? Yeah. When you say it, you don't mean that though. You mean it more as like sexual desire in general. Sexual desire in general. Like I'm, I can say that I was one of those kids when we talk about sexuality in the sense of like what I'm attracted to. Like I was never afraid to do that. Like since a young kid. Like, I remember, like, watching pro wrestling and, like, looking at the guys and, like, looking at their, their, like, dick prints in the pants being like, am I turned on to that? Nah, I don't think so. You know, so, uh, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, even in high school, it was like, okay, like, like kind of, like, I was like, let me just explore, let me see, okay, like, no, nah. it was never nothing for me, you know, but I wasn't afraid, even as a young kid, to explore that side of myself. And I think a lot of, particularly young kids are afraid to do that, so they become adults and they're super confused about who they are. Am I gay? Am I straight? Am I this or that? Yeah. Or like, because I, I think I explored, I was open and confident exploring that when I was a kid. Like, now as an adult, I'm like, okay, I know. Like, I'm a, like, what did you say? A cisgender, hetero dude. Dude, you know? Yeah. Like, when do you feel like you were first? I, I think about this a lot. Like, when was the first time I felt sexual desire? What was the first time I was sexualized? Also, when was the first time I experienced any sort of sexual pleasure? Yeah. And I think you see this a lot with little girls. I actually, I don't know if you see this in like the work that you do because you literally run an after school of all these like developing. You see a lot of things. Yeah, young kids. They're crazy. But I think like even when I w- would babysit little girls or like baby, like my sisters, like you have this tendency of like rubbing your vulva on things. Like uh-huh. you, you sit on a pillow or you sit on like the side of a chair and suddenly you feel that feeling and then you, through society, you kind of learn like what this idea of like being sexy is, right? What? When do you think that was like your, do you have any core memories of like, this was the first time I either felt sexual desire or I was sexualized maybe against your own will? Mm. Sexual desire. I think definitely as a young kid, understanding that I was attracted to women and like, uh, not like a little kid, you feel like you're moving in your private places. And you're like, okay, like I like how that feels, you know. <laughs> um, but I was raised in the church, so a lot of what I was taught as a kid was to not indulge in your sexual desires, and I really bought into that. Like I mm-hmm. bought into that. Like I was one of those Jesus free kids. Like I'm not having sex until marriage. Like I was dead set on that. And I remember the first time that um I had sex. I remember going home. That night, thinking that God was going to drop me off at the gates of hell. <laughs> I was like, I went home and I cried. I'm serious. I still have this notebook to this day. And I wrote, I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, God. I wrote it over and over again. I went home and I cried and I cried and I cried. Um, so for me, it, was, it wasn't until really, I would say, after college that I think I started exploring 
sex, particularly in a way like that was healthy. Mm. You know, where I say I really started having sex for the first time. Because before what? It was more. Um, bang, bang, clap, clap, get in, get out. Like, you know, <laughs> straight up. Like more of a a hobby? 100%. I think for a lot of young men, and I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I'm blessed in a way that God has given me the vocabulary to be able to articulate it. I think for a lot of young men, sex becomes this like thing to help fill this void in our lives. Like I was a broken young man when I stepped foot on a college campus at 17 years old. I didn't recognize it at the time. And I was filling my life with three things, alcohol, drugs, and sex. Mm. Like, all three of which I thought would fill this this void that at the time now I know it was depression. But like, it was, yeah, it was definitely a thing. And I know I wasn't alone because a lot of my peers were doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and I can only imagine, multiply that by millions of young men, not just across America, but across the world at this point in history, you know, especially with mm-hmm. the things that we're exposed to at such young ages when you talk about pornography and the way that that teaches young men how to dominate women. Like, uh, I came up in this culture and one of the first, one, this is really the first generation that has come up in this culture. So it's like we're having this, breeding this generation of young men that experience sex in all of these different ways for the first time to the point that parents can't even keep up with all the different ways. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, coming with this reckoning with like the Me Too movement, where there's like this sense of, okay, we understand that this to be the case, but that doesn't make it right. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of that meeting in the middle. And you had said it even earlier. I think because we're sort of in this moment, a lot of times it comes from sort of, and not to end, I'm, I'm so happy for everything that has happened and how far we've come. But we hear so much of one side. It's like there isn't enough voices talking about what does it mean to be a man in this day and age, particularly when trying to discover yourself sexually and how to show up sexually in the world? What do you think it means? Um, I think we have a lot of work to do. Like we're, we haven't like spent the time, energy, or put the resources in to properly educating young men coming up in this day and age, how to navigate all the different pitfalls that exist for them um, when trying to explore themselves sexually, whether that's, sexually transmitted diseases, whether that's what proper consent looks like, Mm. um, what proper consent, what consent doesn't look like, (laughs) you know, because girls say yes when she blackout drunk, that's not a yes. Like, you know, and it's like all of these different things that we're not doing to help it so that we don't have to spend the time and energy and effort on the punitive side and the campaign side, like trying to knock everybody out of their positions, but that we made a medium to longer term investment into the development of the mind of young men and provided resources to men now to say, hey, here are the different ways that you can help do better and be better. Everybody doesn't have a Nadia in their life after hook up to be like, hey, like let's go to breakfast and talk go- about this. <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I mean? And hey, here's the dude that's gonna be my boyfriend now for oh the next four God. years. Like <laughs> to be fair, I had not met him until that evening. That, that actually <laughs> like literally that evening. Yeah. Um, when was the first time you had sex? Or when is the first time you like did something sexual? Like, for example, <laughs> the first time I ever went down on a guy yeah. was in the basement bathroom of my high school. Okay. And I was like a sophomore. And I remember it very vividly because I I did grow up in the church, but I don't think I ever bought into it that much. But I similarly was like, this is a, it felt like a really grown up thing. Like, I will yeah. always remember that. When was, how old were you? Like, when, when did this happen? 
That's a question. I've never talked about this publicly. That's crazy. Wow. Only on the Tigers podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was, uh, I had like done things. Uh, I had done things starting at maybe like, you know, 13, 14. It's like, you know, kissing a girl, sucking a teddy. Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> feeling real spicy. Like, um, but the first time that I had sex um, was, I was at 16. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 16. Um, and uh, yeah. Had I, anybody I, talked to you about, like what, what, in what context were you educated about sex? Like, was it your mom talked to you about it? Uh, sex ed, you watched porn. Like what was the information you were given about sex by this point? Uh, pornography. Pornography, yeah. I had one of those mothers that I just woke up one day and there were condoms in my top drawer. Like that was the sex ed class. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I grew up just, I had a bunch of young men the same age as me in the neighborhood. So it was maybe like 15 kids between the age of like, you know, nine to like 14, 15. And we were all just mobbing the neighborhood. So one day, one of the kids just comes in. My mom's not home. He's like, yo, y'all want want some porn? Like, what the fuck is porn, nigga? (laughs) He's like, you want porn? Put on some porn. Like, this is when you had like a, we had the, uh, the slow internet. So we all huddled around one computer. Yeah, LimeWire. Yeah, I probably don't even know what LimeWire is. I have is. no idea what that is. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but we had LimeWire. So you, could, you had to download the porn. Um, and we waited and we waited and we waited. And I remember when it came up and I saw it for the first time. I had no idea, like, the, this world even existed. And I saw that for the first time. And it was just, like, I can't even make it up. After that, I definitely went through a period, even as a young kid, where I was addicted to porn. Like, and that was, yeah, that was, and I, again, like, we don't talk about those experiences of young men in this country today. Like, imagine, and that was even before a kid could just go on their cell phone. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine what young kid, young men and women are going through right now, but I'm, I'm here in representation of my young men. Like, like, their brains are developing around, like, pornography. Like, well, what is the... I mean, obviously you jerk off and watch porn and yeah. it's like, there's a release and pleasure for that. But like, was it something that was social? I mean, the first time you watch porn, you're with 15 guy friends. Yeah, no, it's it was something so. you talk about. It's social. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, all the different things we're going to do to the girls when we finally get a girlfriend. All that shit. Like again, like young men just. What kind of porn are you watching? Back then, I, shit, back then I was looking for everything. I'll never forget one day I seen a horse porn. You ever seen horse porn? No. Is like, that like when someone's having sex with a horse? When somebody's having sex with a horse, like, I'll never forget. I saw that as a kid. That was traumatized. And I didn't like that. I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, how does it fit? So you were like, looking at different porn. Exploring different things, yeah. I remember at one point being, because uh, I also was always really curious about porn. But I never, like, touched myself. Not never. But, like, sometimes I would, you know, touch myself. I couldn't make myself orgasm. Then I would watch more of it and I would just be curious and curious and curious. And I would go down some rabbit hole and end up with some like 80 year old man hooking up with a teen. In and how old are you at this time? Probably 16. And this is my thing, man. Like, and, and, and I hate to be one of those old people, you know, like, and it's like you get older, you're like, oh my gosh, all of these things need to yeah. change. But that's one of, if I'm ever blessed to be in a political office and I'll say the unpopular opinion, like, we need a real back access to internet porn. 
Like internet porn is one of the most dangerous drugs that we have in this country right now. And it is free and open access to it, particularly free and open access to children. Like, and if we're going to get better as a country and if we're really serious about what we want to accomplish in the context of like gender equality, like in the protection of like our bodies, like internet porn has to be on the agenda. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save money on your insurance? Of course you would. After all, who wouldn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all of the things in your life, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners, condo, or renters coverage. You could save even more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus, add the easy-to-use Geico mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And choosing to switch to Geico becomes an easy choice. Switch to and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to geico.com to get a rate quote or contact your local agent and get started seeing how much you could save. This show is part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. I think most of us agree that in a functioning democracy, the winner should be determined by the voters. Well, that almost didn't happen in 2020. Now, extremists are working to intimidate and replace nonpartisan election workers with quote-unquote yes-men who might reject election results. The only thing that will stop them is us. We partnered with the grassroots pro-democracy organization, Represent Us, to give you the tools you need to protect free and fair elections. Learn more and get involved. Visit represent.us pod to learn more. What do you think that you, I mean, we, we and I have kind of talked about this obviously offline, but like from porn, what do you think you learned about what it meant to be a man versus a woman during sex? Uh, the narrative always, uh, recently, I think everybody's made a, a valid effort, but for so long, the narrative has always been man dominating the woman. In a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the centering of pornographic scenes. And so, again, being a young man, learning sex through this context for years, uh, when you start to have the opportunity to actually engage with women sexually, it takes a lot of unlearning of that behavior, particularly when you don't have, like, parents can't reinforce. Parents aren't taking the active steps to be as active a teacher of what sex looks like for their children as pornography might be, you know? So you're going into your sexual experiences with a completely morphed concept of what sex should be, um, especially with somebody that you love. Yeah. It's interesting because, so I graduated from high school in 2016. And I remember there were like, you know, a senior week when the week before you're graduating where they had movies and speakers come, whatever. And at one point, they sat us all down to watch The Hunting Ground, which is... What's that about? It's a documentary about uh, sexual assault on campuses. Like, they literally... And it was like, the documentary had just come out, and they, like, sat us down. Okay, you're all going to colleges. Like, let's talk about sexual assault on campuses. And, like, what to expect? Like, what are the... And it was kind of, you know, proposed as a... We're going to introduce conversations around Title IX and what kind of services there are. And then when I got to college because this huge documentary had just come out and there were all the, there's all this recent media, honestly, especially around athletes being protected after committing sexual assault and then not having accountability. Like that's a lot of what the documentary is about. 
Um, I got to campus and there was so much sexual assault training. There was so much talk about consent and not that everybody listened or participated or showed up or took it seriously, but there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. As soon as you got to campus, you went to college a few years before me. Yeah. Was, was college kind of the first time you were like, okay, I have serious conversations about consent or was that not even a conversation in college? Not really a conversation in college. No, no, I don't, yeah, no. When do you think that you learned, like, okay, I don't know, because I feel like now, at least in the space that I'm in, right, like, work-wise, I'm surrounded by conversations about what is informed consent, what is consent, like, but I know that's a relatively new thing. Well, I think it just speaks to this generation, like, shout out Gen Z, like, and shout out, like, millennials, like, bringing up the back end of you're that 20, generation. You're 20. You're, like, Gen Z. <laughs> you're almost Gen yeah, Z. One year away, so I'm, I'm holding strong for my millennials, bro. but. No, it just shows like we're living in a time, we're living in a moment of history through the tools that we have that if we really put our minds to stuff, our concerted, our minds, our dollars and our concerted effort towards issues that we can see change and we can see change rapidly. Like to exactly your point, like I went to college only a few years before you. And even I see now on Georgetown's campus since I've left um, in the last five years, like the efforts that they're taking. Mm like things around uh, educating students better on alcohol consumption, like actually being a institution and cracking down on some of that, like not just turning a blind eye to it. Um, and all the different things surrounding Title IX and sexual assault on campuses, like they're making efforts to make sure that they're educating students on the front end about what proper consent looks like, about the situations that you can put yourself in. And they're seeing the effects of that across the campus. Yeah. Where previously it was sort of just free for all, you know? Yeah. When, okay, so obviously in the months before we hooked up, you were yeah. in a celibate phase. Yeah. And then we hooked up and then you kind of were slowly getting back into the game. And then yeah. I feel like over the last year, you've kind of been going through these phases yeah. of honestly exploring different things, right? As you yeah. should, as a young bachelor. Yeah. Right. But I also know, I think people who really know you know that you are the softest, and I mean that in a good way, hopeless fucking romantic who wants to settle down with your dream woman and build a life. Don't tell nobody, but yeah. (laughs) But I I really think it's like when you get to know you, I think like the facade comes down and you are this just genuine romantic. So how is your search for love going right now? Oh, it's going well. But, you know, to your point, sometimes the thing that people don't realize is you have to be the lion in the streets so that you can be a lamb at home. Mm-hmm. No, so, I've never heard that before <laughs> explained. Well. You feel like you gotta, you're you're focusing on being a lion in the real world and not focused on building that home relationship. No, I'm saying there's a certain way that all of us have to show up in the world to protect the things that we know and love, you know? Uh, I've come through the jungle to make it to where I am today, you know? And by the grace of God, yeah, to your point, I hope that there's a day where, you know, I have somebody that I can go home to and a family that I can share that with. Um, but not to be, have to be a, a lion at home, but to be able to be my most vulnerable self, you know? Cause we all um, need... Yeah, make some cubs. Yeah, make some cubs and be a cub. Uh, yeah, I like to get my hair up, my yeah. back scratch. You know, 
Well, and you've been, I mean, you've also explored with open relationships and. Yeah, no, I would never do that again. Really? No. But I mean, at at a certain point, like you, if you're dating a number of girls, that is Mm -hmm. kind of an open relationship. Uh, Not necessarily. Or I guess because all of them have different expectations. It's like a. No, you got to. I pride myself on how I've been able to develop as a man, being honest with the people that I have the privilege of being intimate with, of like where I am and what I want for myself. You know, sometimes like that aligns with (laughs) the other person. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but yeah, I think this, as you grow as a man, like the more that you can be open and honest, like you realize life becomes so much easier and the people that you want in your life more often than not want to stay because they know they can trust you. Now in your work, you work with so many like young prepubescent young men, yeah, boys. And what are kind of the concerns that you see? Like, I mean, now growing up with OnlyFans and being able to post nudes and yeah. is that something you see? And like, how do you have conversations around that? Well, it's really actually uh, makes me a little fearful, to be honest. Um, we've had cases even within our programs of young women as young as like seven years old um, already starting to get grown for like sex trafficking and being coerced or like how they, uh, young men as young as like 11, 12, already getting people pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different world that we're coming up on. Kids have been exposed to sex at much, much younger ages. And not to say there wasn't, obviously kids have always had access to, like if you look hard enough, you can find it, but yeah. it's how open and, free access they have so it is it's definitely affecting how they're developing um seeing a lot of kids that are confused free access to porn you mean not just porn but just mm-hmm. like the sexualization of the world mm-hmm. like everything that we touch now is sexualized like they trying to sell soda sexualize it like hotel room sexualize it you know like president try to make them sexy at least i don't know what it's yeah. like do you and then how do you navigate those conversations like when you hear about that Mm-hmm. You hear about an 11-year-old boy getting someone pregnant. Is that like, do you feel a responsibility or is it something like a practice of yours? Like, okay, I'm going to take this kid aside and we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, well, I've, I've tried to be very intentional. I can't take, I can't carry all the drama yeah. with me. Um, it's just not healthy and it's not good for the long term. Um, but one thing that I just try to be very intentional about is that we're being honest with the young people that we work with about the risks that are involved with the decisions that they make mm. um, at the end of the day, like whether you're a mentor in a child's life or a parent, like you can't be with the kid 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, all you can do is try to, in the time that you have with them, and this is all I've tra- ever tried to do in the time that I have with them to just impart like something. And sometimes that's a positive word to say, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be letting this person do this, or you shouldn't be doing that. Um, but other times it's just trying to demonstrate to them through actions, like what positive love looks mm-hmm. like, you know, like yeah. kids in our program know there's a hot meal here for you every day. They know like you can always have a hug and there's nothing on the other end of that. It's not somebody trying to coerce you or nothing, you know, like they know like you can come in here and ask for anything. And if it's within our range, we'll do it for you. And when you 
fucking up. Like, we're going to tell you too because we care. And just trying to be that positive example. And I think that's been the the best tool that we've had so far. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the I you know, there are some parallels even like when we, like with my work now, we talk so much about like, how do you, how young can you talk to someone about periods? Mm-hmm. Like how young can you talk to someone about like their body and oh their anatomy? Gosh. When you came and visited our program, they were so, Nadia comes to the program. They're like, she's telling them, I have, Three million followers on TikTok. They're like, oh my God. One kid was literally like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> she's famous, rolling out over the floor, everything else. I have not heard the end of it since she left because they started looking at your page and seeing, they're like, she got her tampon hanging on her. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she on there with her underwear? They all like grown women. These eight year olds, like 50 year olds. They're like, is she on there with her underwear out? Oh, I- <laughs> Uh, like oh my god! I'm like, I don't well, know I hope I hope to come back soon. Maybe this weekend. They, they would love a follow up. No, because I think that like I same along of like how do you talk to young kids about sex and consent? Mm-hmm. It's like how do you talk to young kids about periods, their body, how they treat their body, how they take care of their body? Yeah, and it's all kind of linked together. But I I can tell the thing about working with kids, you can tell what kind of parent you're gonna be. Yeah, like I'm so blessed that I work with my mom. Um, because I can already tell I'm the type of dad. I'm like, go, go talk, go talk to your mom. Cause like, I ain't got no for you. Like a girl came up to me the other week. She's like, I'm cramping. I'm cramping. I was like, oh no, I know this is not the moment. Please don't let it be the moment. She never had a period before. I'm like, oh my God, I'm freaking out. It's just me. <laughs> I'm like, how old are you? She's like, I'm 11. I'm like, oh no, no. I'm like, okay. Like, uh, shoot. Like, uh. Can I ask her? I'm like check going through all the checklists of the SLP. Can I ask her if she's menstruating? Like, does she need a tampon? I'm like, don't say nothing specifically about that. I don't know. I'm trying to go through my trainings. I ain't never had it. But I finally mustered up the courage. I'm like, do, do you need a tampon? And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right. Uh, and then, I, I, yeah, that was that was a that was like a fire drill in and of itself. You know, to your but point. this is like I feel like this is like this is the culture you're creating, which is like you're creating culture where they can come in and be like, Darius, a blood clot fell out of me. Is that normal? Oh my god! And you can be like, okay, like let's figure out who the right person to talk to is. Man, if somebody across this country holds trainings for this, my email is not hard to find. It's good to go project. I need to be trained. I like, I want to do it. Like I I desperately want to do it. I need to be trained. Like, we'll do it. I think a lot of men around the country need to be trained. It's like it, it, it's it's definitely we don't talk about this enough. Yeah. Like that in and of itself is something that. Like we should be prepared for in yeah. school age children environments. Like, how do you make a young girl feel comfortable when it's a very high probability the first time she may menstruate is <laughs> in a yeah. school setting? Yeah. You know, like, and how are we prepared for that? That's a very big moment in their life. Yeah. Know? Well, we could go on forever. And naturally, yeah. we ended up talking about periods, even though originally we were talking about how we hooked up. But wow, it's like I almost spent the whole thing. <laughs> <You spent>. <laughs> <laughs> look at that <laughs> so, I, if you, so you can come on my podcast next to write the shower I do really feel like you know I've hooked up with people in my life who are friends and it did not it, it ruined the friendship yeah. and I feel like it brought us closer yeah we're just two good people you know when you solid as a rock like it's hard and we love each other and best friends and we work together and love each other yeah we uh, what's your sign? I'm an Aquarius. Mm, I'm a Virgo. 
I have no idea what any of that means. Though. Neither do I. <laughs> Somebody did a co-star one time for me. I'm a triple Virgo. That's all I know. You're a triple Virgo. Yeah, apparently that's like really rare or something. I don't know. Oh, I want to get someone on the podcast to like do a live reading of, you know, like my fucking star chart. Mm, probably say a lot. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. What is, uh, what is Henry? I don't even know. Wow. Whatever August is. Maybe like a Cancer? No. I think he might be a Virgo. A Leo? August what? 10th. No, I don't think he's a, he's a Virgo. Leo? He's a Leo. He's We're a getting Leo. some help from the from the studio. He's a Leo. Oh, he's a Leo. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. Um, But maybe that'll help your quest for love. Honestly, I'm just leaving it in God's hands. Like, I'm in a, I'm in flow state, you know, as they say. And like, until you're in it, you don't really recognize it is, but I'm in a good place. God's got a perfect plan for my life. I'm settled into that. You know what I really love? Is wait, am I totally messing up? Oh no. You know how people say birds and the bees? Yeah. And then they say lions and tigers. Yeah. Well, I'm a tigress. And then you said that you're a lion. Yeah. That you're like a lion outside, so you can be a lion at home. So really it's the birds and the bees and the lion and the tiger. The tigers. I, I thought we were a match made in heaven the moment I met you, Nadia. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we hooked up. Oh my gosh, you gonna keep going back to that? <laughs> <laughs> Why you gotta keep going back to that? Just because I think it's so funny because I feel like I'm so open about it. Like it's just I think it's funny and you get all nervous. What do you mean? I got kids. And I I never see you get nervous. And then I say, Oh, Darius and I hooked up. And sometimes my, I my kids look at my social media. I do not want them you know talking about my sex life. The the craziest part of this is that after that, and then Henry and I hung out like a few times. We weren't like really official. And then we like became official. And then we all went on vacation together. That Me, Henry, Darius, and then a couple of our friends. You just, you just love putting people in uncomfortable situations. Like, it's you just, pride, you, know, you pride yourself on that. It's just, I just think that it's working through stigma. What? <laughs> What? <laughs> okay. We love you all so much, Darius. This is one of many episodes that we'll have you on, our, my um, lion to my okay. tiger. And we're so excited to keep this conversation going. I also feel like this is, will be a very thought-provoking episode because this conversation around sexualization of young men is not one that we've, um, you know, one that I really deeply explored because I've been so focused in my experience but also one that I feel like a lot of our audience will be excited to hear about too. So as you know, we're back every single Wednesday with an episode stream wherever you listen to your podcasts and we will see you on social. Bye y'all. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.